0: Hi and welcome along to Early Excellence's Head to Head podcast. It's great to have you here. I'm Sarah Carey, School Improvement Lead here at Early Excellence and in these podcasts I'll be connecting with real head teachers and school leaders. We'll be discussing hot topics in primary and early years education and sharing some real experiences. So keep listening to hear more about school inspections and impactful school improvement strategies. Welcome to this month's episode of our Head to Head podcast. It's got a little bit of a different feel this month as we're going to be hearing from some different people having a conversation around curriculum. So first of all I'm really pleased to welcome my colleague Phil. Hi there, how are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. I hope everyone else is well who's listening wherever they are at the moment
0: as well. Absolutely, they could be anywhere in the world. And of course, you're in Reading and I'm in the Midlands. um, So it's the joy of remote working, which is something you and I both do quite a lot of together, don't we?
1: Very much so, very much so. Um,
0: But obviously, not all of our listeners, some of our listeners may know you from our national briefings and Obviously, if they're in the South or if they're international, they may well know you. But is it okay if you can just share a little bit about yourself and your role and a bit of your history just for anybody who doesn't know you? Is that all right?
1: Yeah, of course. No problem. So um, I'm Phil Phil Armstrong. I've been with early excellence now for nearly seven years. Um, And during that time, my role has changed tremendously. So, uh, But at the moment, most people know me in terms of curriculum support across the South of the U.K., Um, So from Cornwall to Kent, uh, basically, Um, but also because of remote work all the way across the country uh, as well. So lots of online work as well. Mainly do consultancy and bespoke CPD across different schools uh, and settings. And I also take a lead on supporting our international schools as well. So I'm very privileged to get to travel around a bit, but again, also doing lots of work remotely, working with our partners who are either using some form of the EYFS, or they're really interested in developing early childhood pedagogy uh, through their school or through their settings. Um, I also take a lead on our sort of national briefings, uh, as Sarah just mentioned, so there's kind of national projects, um, and try to keep my ear to the ground of what's going on nationally and internationally. And I'm very lucky at the moment that I've embarked on an educational doctorate, so looking at school leadership as part of that as well, so um, yeah, that's quite fun. Into year two at the moment, which is very exciting
0: busy busy then is uh, is what we would say not not just at early excellence but being round and about and doing lots of interesting things so that's that's really good and as I say I'm sure lots of people will will recognize your voice from briefings and such like so uh, so yeah and I think obviously you and I one of our big roles is is to support school improvement isn't it so we we do a lot of work with school leaders um, with kind of developments and thinking around kind of strategic thinking but I think one of the conversations that you and I are digging into get together quite a lot but also within schools and settings is around curriculum the big the big chestnut that is curriculum and the meatiness of that I know certainly I'm doing a lot of conversation around that and a lot of almost bespoke training and support around that do you find that the same
1: yeah absolutely and the school's in very different stages of that journey Um, obviously things like the new inspection framework kind of triggered lots of that work but many schools are already starting that process already and I think It was a movement away from that historical model where often the early years part of the school was quite separate from the rest of the school. Uh, And certainly from my own experience, you know, certainly when I was an early years lead in school quite liked my early years island, um, you know, keeping separate, but gradually taking on more leadership roles across schools, you kind of realise that you can't work in isolation. You need to think about that journey as a whole for those children. Uh, But it's a real challenge for those curriculum leaders who have never worked in early years and some of them have never left Key Stage 2 and suddenly they're having to really ask some some interesting questions, work much more collaboratively with their colleagues Um, and it's definitely a piece of work that lots of head teachers are asking us for support with and how do you make it happen meaningfully and effectively rather than trying to shoehorn two curricula together. Um, For me, it's a very inspiring piece of work to see how people do it um, and how thoughtfully they approach it as well.
0: And it's really, it is really complex, isn't it? Because every school that we visit, every school across the country is quite unique and have their own things that they bring to it. Um, And of course, it's a really big piece of work and it never really ends, does it? Sorry to break it to the listeners. It doesn't end in terms of, there's that continual reflection and evaluation and adjustment. And actually things change within schools. If schools have perhaps opened two-year-old provision or nursery, they have to go back and look again at what they're offering um, around curriculum and, and the curriculum planning. And such like, and where that journey starts. So it's, it's a big piece of work, but then it is a, a case of revisiting, reviewing, evaluating, and having the, having the conversations about, so what really, because it's got to be working for the children, hasn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's also tied in very closely with some of the kind of the post pandemic work that many schools have been embarking on, and really thinking about particularly those children in year one and year two, uh, and how to make that journey more seamless for those children. The lots of people revisiting pedagogy, as well as curriculum as part of that process. Um, but all those conversations led us to the programme we put together for subject leaders, which was a really interesting piece of work um, and really thinking about what would be helpful for subject leaders in terms of understanding child development and how it fits in alongside that subject. Um, really thinking about the holistic nature of early years uh, pedagogy mm-hmm. and practice so that we weren't separating out the subjects. I think that was a very big fear that we had and um, Many did that we spoke to was that um, people were trying to narrow things down a bit too simplistically. Uh, and the challenge was really helping those curriculum leaders see learning in a much more kind of holistic 360 view and seeing the relationship between communication, language, and literacy, and mathematics, and history, and geography, and so on, physical development and its critical role. So it's been really interesting to start to have these conversations with schools that have been on this journey, for want of a better, better phrase. Uh, and how they are working in that way. Um, Yeah, I think it's been an interesting but challenging time. And how do people find the time to do that? That's certainly something schools have been talking about Um, and how to do it really impactfully as well. Uh, It's been absolutely and
0: Absolutely, and I I think that's key in terms of actually the, the, the changes to the statutory framework and obviously the changes to the education inspection framework from Ofsted may well have kind of given that impetus, but actually if you step away from that for the moment, For a moment and put the children at the center of it it does make sense does not it for us to need to understand that journey of where the children have been before they join us where they are going when they're with us and where they're going afterwards be that from reception to year one and beyond or actually after they finish in our infant school or in our primary school what happens afterwards into key stage two as well because if we have a a big bigger picture understanding of that, we can start to see how things connect together. And I think we often talk about things that happen in early years, helping the children in the here and now, but also helping children in their future, and actually, what we're doing in early years will be supporting those year five and year six children or beyond. So it's seeing that big picture, and and that absolutely, I think, does make sense when you take a step back and kind of remove Ofsted, for example, or remove actually DFE and those sorts of things, and just think about what is right for young children. Actually, for us as adults working with them, it's really important for us to see that journey, isn't it, and understand they're coming from going to and, and being able to have that big picture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's those, that kind of that whole journey, of that kind of taking mm. that perspective, I think for me, that's absolutely key. And you're right, the inspection framework will change. The early years foundation stage yes. will change and evolve, but those children will still be on that journey going all the way through. I think the other thing that it really made me reflect on experience I would had as an early years teacher, for example, as someone would come to observe a lesson who was a subject leader. And they say, I want to come and see literacy. I want to come and see maths." And what it really meant was they want to come and see a model of teaching that fitted with their understanding of pedagogy. And so sometimes you were giving them a false sense of what learning was in the early years. And Mm -hmm. certainly what talking to the schools we've been working with and as part of the bigger programme is helping those leaders realise that pedagogical model may not be familiar with one that they use every day in their own classroom, but actually it's a really powerful one and one that they could take aspects from. And we see that in some of the interviews that already happened that, you know, people saying, oh, I could Mm -hmm. take aspects of that practice through into the way that we're working Mm -hmm. for the rest of the school and have a really good impact on the children that we're working with. So as you say, it's that thinking about what do the children need? And that's where you start off from as always.
0: Absolutely. And I think thinking about where the learning takes place, actually, when you're imparting knowledge, that isn't necessarily where the learning is taking place at its best and it's in depth being embedded. The learning is often taking place at another point, in another context, where the children are practicing, applying and exploring and making mistakes. So again, for people coming to see, as you just described, which often happened to me kind of when I I was teaching, I want to come and see this, and it would be basically, can I come and see you carpet time? Actually, that isn't showing you what the children know Know and can do and have learned and have connected. So um, I think it's, it's this sort of work around curriculum has um, ignited some really kind of valuable conversations to be having, particularly around early years, I think.
1: Absolutely, as I said, particularly with head teachers who, who often again may not have had lots of early years experience themselves. So it's helping them <laughs> yeah. the part of that process as well, isn't it? Because ultimately it's the conversations that they may be having with others about their early years. And can they talk confidently and articulate the learning that's taking place and in some ways support their subject leaders in showing you how they are committed to helping them develop their own knowledge as well and that kind of yeah developing the team i think it ties in so well with this as well
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Which actually leads, leads us seamlessly on to actually what we're going to talk about today. Um, so we're going to hear from um, some, a school that you've been working with, some colleagues that you know quite well, um, that you've had a conversation with and you, you've been kind of exploring curriculum with. So do you want to just set the scene slightly as to who we're going to be hearing from today and then we'll be able to take a listen?
1: Yeah. So we're going to be hearing from Jane and Chris, who have got a really interesting story to share about how an infant school and junior teams have been working really collaboratively uh, particularly to focus around mathematics in this first kind of conversation Uh, and i hope what people will hear is the powerful impact it's had on all involved uh, especially of course on the children Um, but particularly on chris i think there's a really powerful kind of message that comes through and how much he's gained from the experience uh, but how, for me, I think the key thing is how they've worked right from the start to get it right for those children and really thinking about mathematics right the way through that whole journey um, and how they've worked. And traditionally, when we think about infant schools and junior schools, maybe not working so collaboratively, this has been quite transformative, I think, for these, this particular um, kind of partnership of these schools that are working together. So I hope people will take a lot from this.
0: Yeah, no. I'm, I'm, I mean, I've already had a, a sneak listen. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it again because I think that it's really interesting to hear they are actually two schools but are working together. Um, and actually, they're on two sites and they've enabled this journey and built positive relationships. So actually, lots of things within it. If you are a primary school, actually, you're on the same site and you're seeing your colleagues regularly. Hopefully, there'll be things that people can can draw from that. But also for perhaps there are infant and juniors. I was a head of an infant school, so I know those conversations still need to take place because it does take you back to the journey of the child doesn't it so uh, so yeah so i'm looking forward to it so let's let's have a listen to jane and chris and hear about their
1: journey um so first of all thank you ever so much for agreeing to take part in this recording today uh, would you like to introduce yourselves and where you're working at the moment
2: yeah um, i'm jane weberston and i'm the early years leader at clinton st mary's Um, And I was the maths leader for a couple of years alongside Chris, um, and he's now taken on that role fully, but we did start with working together um, across our junior and infant school.
3: Yeah, so as Jane said, I, I'm Chris, Chris Murray, and I am Mass lead at the Old Priory Junior Academy and Mass lead down here now having taken over from Jane. Um, we're obviously, we, we're, we're two separate sites, for an infant school and a junior school um, and we kind of started working together that the infant school joined the multi-academy trust that we were uh, we were in um, and felt that need for continuity and kind of reducing that impact of those transitional periods between infants and juniors. Um, so, yeah, I kind of uh, are now working down here as mass lead, uh, with Jane being phase lead down here now. So, Fantastic. So it's been a kind of bit of a journey by the sounds of things.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: And big teams, bringing big teams together.
2: Yes, yeah, so I took on this year as well, the Key Stage 1 lead. So I've taught in early as Key Stage 1, so that's been really helpful as well um, to work with Chris. Um, the knowledge of Year 1 and Year 2 as well, from that progression early as Year 1. Um, and then what comes before early years, um, so experience from nurseries
3: has been really helpful yeah i think that when we um we've always had a history of our two schools working together um but when st mary's joined the maps, it became a lot more formalized and now we, we see our, we see ourselves as one school and one staff um so we work together a lot with you know whereas before we were just kind of having those transitional activities we need to go and speak to the to the infant school they need to come up and see us we'll do those transition days now we're we're at a place where we have staff meetings together um we we share practice together um so uh, we do coaching together all of these all of these different activities we're now kind of uh, we see ourselves as one school even though we're technically two
1: so it's kind of very much a structural change that kind of forced the kind of conversation i, I guess by the sound of things uh, And thinking particularly from like an early years and mass perspective what were the kind of first steps that you took to kind of, I suppose, create that
3: partnership, that relationship?
2: Yeah, so we started, when I joined the school, we were in early adopter year. and um, So that was the new earliest curriculum. And um, So it was kind of unpicking what we're going to do, how we're going to do this, because it's all new. Um, so I went on lots of training um, and then sharing my experience from that training. Chris would come in and observe some sessions and we talked about what we would then do next year when it um, fully came into place across the whole of the UK. Um, so I would say we worked more on mastering number and getting into that greater depth and then just not having too much of a breadth because before we were obviously teaching numbers like we're up to 20 and ordering number. So it's more about getting children to use their vocabulary and language, um, playing more with resources, um, learning through play and having some short adult, um, inputs. So those short, like 15 minute inputs were really helpful. So not just in maths, but across our whole curriculum. Um, that was where we started really getting children to use a lot more vocabulary to explain their understanding.
3: Yeah, and to, to upskill me as well. I'm very much from a Key Stage 2 background, I teach all the way up in six. Um, and, you know, in my early career, I was in a, a three school, but was teaching in Key Stage 2 then. Then I moved to a junior school. So being having a Key Stage 1 environment was not something that I was relatively used to. So the, the beauty of coming together, I've been able to come and see where, where it all starts, how that journey progresses to where I get the children at uh, the top end of the school. Um, so yeah a lot of time spent um kind of just me learning things and you know i'm still learning things uh, which yeah. is great mm-hmm. uh was a really good thing that jane was the maths lead down here first before i've taken on that role because that's given me an opportunity just to, to really dig into it um, and yeah. so that was really valuable <laughs>
2: And as well awesome. as well, got look through the whole provision as well. So Chris has had like a learning walk through the outdoor provision, the indoor provision, so he can see that maths is everywhere. It's not just mm-hmm. in the math session. So just giving him that knowledge too. You, um, and you've come in and had a look around when the children have been there as well, haven't you? Yeah. To see them in action.
3: Yeah, and I know that people say. That- People say this all the time about taking aspects of um, a practice from the early years setting and bringing that up through the school is a really valuable thing to do, and it, it really is. When you see it, what things that go on down in the early years classroom, you can then um, take those elements that are really successful and try to, to to share that practice with colleagues further up the school, and, and they can they can put that into their math sessions as well, um, because it's it's a valuable way of looking at the curriculum. Yeah.
1: It's a really interesting kind of story that you're sharing there, and that we know that lots of mass leads that we work with, they um, their experiences predominantly key stage two. They're quite difficult to have that understanding of further in the other key stages, and particularly EYFS. Yeah, fantastic. That's really great. So it sounds like it's been a really positive experience. What were the first sort of steps that you did as part of that?
2: Um, so at the beginning it was more we were quite separate weren't we I focused on the infant school and Chris focused on the junior but then we would work together and start looking at progression maps and um, but by the second year of working together we worked with um, a senior well, specialist leader in education and she came in and worked alongside us and we basically st- took our progression maps um, from scratch and rather than just following a scheme we went into like that depth of what do we want our children to learn what bits do we want to use from different um, kind of people that are out there producing things. So um, we did that, was that last year? It was yeah. last year, wasn't it? Yeah. So we've started with early years, um, looked at what the early learning goals were, but then obviously it doesn't cover shape, space, and measure in your early learning goals. So we looked at how we still want to cover that shape, space, and measure, and assess it as we go throughout the year as part of that progression. So we use lots of different documents um, and then created this document together. So that's where it started. Um, and then we also looked again at what happens before school, what happens in year one and that went onto each page for each class teacher so me as early as teacher I would have on my progression map what's going to happen next in year one and what happened before in um, their nursery so whenever I'm planning and teaching a lesson I can think right they're not quite getting this what came before uh, or they're all doing really well with this what came next we're not going to start teaching them what comes next but how could we maybe push them in their play and provide them with some more language
1: yeah yeah so looking for all those opportunities to really embed to the maths.
2: Yeah and across the whole classroom in the class day so part of your routines and um, so it's not just part of that maps lesson so when they choose their lunch in the morning they have um, access to like tens frames and they're starting to see two digit numbers so although we don't teach that as part of our progression map we're also giving them experience of seeing two digit numbers and we have a marble jar so when they get to like 20 marbles we'll show them like the place value cards and say well look it's two tens and we're going to put one more in so they're counting on from a number so it's just giving them all those experiences which will help at their next stage um, in the progression.
1: Fantastic and in terms of kind of what were the kind of main challenges for you in terms of connecting that curriculum across?
3: Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think that one of the main challenges is obviously when the two schools first came together, it was it was very hard to kind of get out of that. Um, I see it as a junior school and we see it as a, an infant school. Uh, initially, I mean, as Jane alluded to, we wrote action plans that were there's an action plan for the infant school and there was an action plan for the, for the juniors um, as we progressed through that. We, you know, you could start to unpick the needs to work a lot more closely together. Really understanding that there was that um, consistency and continuity that needed to be uh, embedded in kind of all of the um, the kind of the strategic paperwork around it. So we then created the action plans together. Uh, now we have one kind of big action plan that oversees the whole school. So I mean, that was a challenge to to kind of get your head around and that change in mindset of going you're going from one school to to two, but mm. back to one big school. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um,
2: and I think at first sometimes we were both right those action plans and we were like, oh, that's really similar on mine, that's similar yeah. on yours, like why are we doubling it up, um, why don't we just have one? Yeah.
3: So, yeah, I think it's probably... That
1: was probably yeah. the best, wasn't yeah. it, at the beginning. Yeah, that, those first steps, isn't it? And I guess also one of the other challenges with the UIFS is that holistic nature of learning. We tend to, through primary, separate subjects out. So, how did you kind of address that issue of kind of looking at the primary as well specific within a mathematical kind of context?
2: Yes, yeah, so I would say that came from when Chris came to visit the provision. I just went round the whole provision. I was like, "Look, maps is everywhere." So we went outdoors. I mean, you quite liked our bikes, didn't you? our bikes We're got on, on. <laughs> and then they've got a park, coming means where the digits are on, written on the floor. Um, and then we went into the mud kitchen, and we talked about like capacity and different like size containers um what else did we look at and indoors it, we do have a maths area with some maths resources but we looked at what have we got over in the role play area So, say oh look they've got numbers on the telephones. so i was just talking to chris about where number is everywhere and shape space and measure um in the small world area building all those different bits of blocks yeah um, my, so my,
3: my respect <laughs> for you best practitioners goes goes through the roof when you come in you go obviously oh, we're in key stage two you, you kind of think right we're we block our units, we we, we design our curriculum around um, uh, coming through things in a year and then revisiting them year on year. Um, so it's very easy to think, right, so we're, we're doing a big block of place value right at the beginning of, of, of September. <laughs> Um, whereas when I come down to an EYFS classroom, I know that Jane will obviously pull groups to do those kind of focused maths sessions. But the fact that she's had to plan and think about putting maths opportunities everywhere in the classroom, mm-hmm. it's like, crikey, you've got a lot to think about yeah. and a lot to, a lot to, to resource and, and and give these children the best opportunity to experience maths. Um, and yeah, I was I was I was really impressed. Um, having experienced that, we had a, a Mass Trust, we had our trust lead come on that day as well. Um, and yeah, we were we were blown away by kind of all the opportunities that were in and around Mass. It's all very impressive. So EYFS to <laughs>
2: But we also have that progression of resources I spoke to Chris about. So in the autumn term, I was explaining like there's just things with numbers to five because that's linked to what we're teaching. And then gradually through the year, we'll then add like numbers up to 10. But things that go into the environment are things we've always taught. So there will be that continuous provision. But we talked about enhanced provision and how you keep yeah. it. Helps, and that would be. Yeah. Awesome
1: that gradual enrichment of the mathematical experience, isn't it, that, that's happening? I suppose, Chris, from your perspective, was there any kind of surprises that came out of it that you didn't anticipate of this partnership working?
3: um So, well, it, surprises? No, I knew that I would go into it learning a lot, and and, and I did. You know, taking um, aspects of practice, particularly around the continuous provision, and being able to. Um, you know, we're always, I suppose it's the buzzwords at the moment, trying to get kids to know more and remember more. Um, yeah. and being able to do those sorts of things through continuous provision throughout the whole school would be great. You know, having those opportunities um, that have been thought about by colleagues to put into their classrooms, this drip feeding in those concepts that might not be in focus in those mass lessons at, at the time, because you're working on something specific, um, just keeps those things tr- trickling along and, and helping those kids come back to that memory curve and, and make sure that it stays there. Um, so those were the, those were kind of like my big takeaways of how how can we get this up through the rest of the school. Mm-hmm. Really,
2: and we have in our year one class this year. We've now got continuous provision in there, um, and that was because they had those lockdown gaps, um, and they really needed that play based le- learning. So that's something new for us this year. Um, we're looking at that continuous provision in year one.
1: Fantastic. And Jane, from your perspective, this kind of model of working, particularly looking at maths, how is that kind of working with other subject areas as well?
2: Yeah really good, so we had a staff meeting a couple of weeks ago where we had um, a bit of a slot with each subject lead and we have had um, training before this but we thought right we we'll look at the spring term see what's happening in the earliest class so I met with every subject lead and um, we did it as part of the staff meeting and they came down to visit the provision and um, so I went through with the art lead and um, what we do across the year and what she could see in the provision this term we did maths again um, just every single subject history, geography um, just how that is through play and what we do um, across the year in our teaching inputs. Um, so yeah, every yeah. it has been a very similar thing. But we started with maths because that was an area that our school and um, was working on, and mm-hmm. um, that was an area which was weaker before. Um, but we are already starting to see the impact from the early adopter year mm-hmm. um, in our year two children.
1: Super. So it sounds like it's having quite an impact in terms of like outcomes for adults and for children. Is that is that the case?
2: Definitely. We were talking about before we locked on earlier, we were saying about the impact on children, teachers across both schools, um, everybody really.
1: Yeah. And it's that sustained embedded understanding, isn't it? I guess it's the key and working with the whole whole team, that kind of key strategy. Uh, Next steps, I guess, really. What's the kind of next plans for
3: you both? Uh, so there's a few things that um, we, we're doing down in Key Stage 1 that obviously UIFS are included in. We've got a, mas- a Mastering Number programme, which is uh, one of the main ways you deliver maths mm-hmm. in UIFS. Um, that is a, a programme that's designed to finish at the end of Key Stage 1. Um, but we obviously have children who have, have gone through the school and are up in the juniors now that weren't part of that kind of delivery of maths that we've uh, seen having a real impact down here. So I'm wanting to bring that programme up for kind of like an intervention for GAP filling for children who um are, are needing that sort of support so we're um we're, we're upskilling our uh, support staff who can deliver some of those those interventions they're going to come down and do some observations down here watch some sessions mm-hmm. taught in EYFS um in order to to better implement that intervention up in the juniors um so that's one one thing really that we're
2: yeah that was our main next step wasn't yeah. it and just focusing now on that year one cohort making sure um they've got a really good play-based maps, not just in their maps lesson, yeah. um, so all these resources kind of progress from early years, it's not the same resources. Um, and we have started buying a few things from early excellence actually, to enhance the provision as well. So, these are some... Uh, that's super. <laughs>
1: that's great. Um, if, if I suppose if you were to have a conversation with someone who is at the start of this process, what would your top tips be?
2: Um, so it seems to be quite open, isn't it? And. You will have surprises. Yeah. Um Yeah,
3: there was there was a piece of advice that was given to me right at the beginning is just look at your maths and the way it is and with the phrase warts and all and really look at what your offer is and and, and how um it's really looking because uh, if you're right if you if you don't answer yourself at the start then you're not going to be able to make effective change so um yeah don't be afraid to to see that there are things that might not be correct or right or or working um and get yeah, going with an open mind in order to change things
2: yeah and definitely mm-hmm. even the early years need to go up. It's not just about the leaders coming down mm-hmm. to visit you. Also go and look at what comes next, I would say, as yeah. well. Um, mm-hmm. And those support staff, making sure they're aware. So that's what we're doing, isn't it? And that was mm-hmm. what you were saying about the support staff coming down to observe. And then they'll be working with those children in some interventions.
3: Yeah, so mm-hmm. building good bridges, yeah. Yeah. sharing practice, always yeah. sharing practices. Yeah, and
2: always including early years in your staff meetings. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's been really beneficial this year. And yep. it's not a separate thing it's from early years up to year six
1: it's not early years and school mm-hmm. yeah yeah old school strategy <laughs>
2: yeah
1: yeah very much thank you thank you so much for sharing it it sounds like it's been a fantastic outcome and journey kind of along the way i guess so the kind of learning process for everybody involved in it yeah now i'm really looking forward to hearing about what happens what happens next and yeah keep in touch keep sharing because um so many people are at the start of this process um, or maybe you're using a scheme to guide the process rather than the conversations which is what you've been sharing It's that that talking with each other isn't it and looking at what's actually happening rather than looking
3: at a piece of paper perhaps very much looking forward to seeing the children that are down in EYFS coming up through the school and just seeing what a difference they might have when they get into year six so yeah. looking forward to seeing how that that journey yeah. progresses
2: especially seeing those year twos at the minute where like they were the earlier doctor year and we can see how much of an impact that curriculum has had On just their maths vocabulary, the maths understanding. It's made such a difference already, just in those first three years.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you ever so much for sharing that.
2: Thank you.
0: Wow, thanks very much for sharing that, Phil, um, and having that conversation with Jane and Chris. I really enjoyed listening to it again, and lots of lots of things to kind of, I think, that we'd like to pick up and unpick in a little bit more detail. Because I think, obviously, every day is a school day, isn't it? We all continue to learn and, and kind of develop ourselves. So there's certainly some things that we can unpick. And I think, for me, one of the things that came across really clearly was the openness in their relationship and the professional conversations that they had um, and being very open in that and actually almost embracing of we're on this journey together let's almost have a little bit of a look warts and all Um, and I think that's a really good basis to start from Um, and I think that came across the route that they they work really well together and have developed a positive relationship I guess partly through engaging in this process I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I mean, and Chris even talks about that warts and all thing as a starting point, mm. this sort of top tip, those things that you really need to yeah. do and, and putting all your cards on the table, I guess. Um, I mean, they already had a partnership way of working, but he so really saw how this strengthened it. And the two of them described that, I thought that really powerfully. I mean, there's no doubt about it, the revised framework was a trigger for them. And we know that for some other schools, that we, sorry, the UFS rather, and that really rethinking mathematics And that idea of rethinking learning, not just in early years, but what's the impact then right the way through the school? I thought that was quite an interesting Mm. way of looking at sort of curriculum development and using, really using the foundation stage to be what we want it to be, to be building that foundation. And that concept of greater depth, I thought, was really powerful Mm. that came through. And, And I think one of the things that kept on hitting me all the way through the conversation was how they were then thinking about how could we use and apply these things further through the children's learning journey. And that idea Mm. of real mastery of mathematics and using Mm. that early childhood uh, education kind of pedagogy, and then thinking about those children Mm. further through the school as well, I thought that was very, very powerful. Um, As we were talking about those opportunities for mathematics kind of everywhere, so inside and outside. And again, Chris Mm. was really thinking about that. And that made me think about other subject leaders. And again, how we narrow things down sometimes, it becomes very much about the scheme. And what was, I thought was so powerful was the way that they'd really developed a curriculum that was for their children. And there was that challenge, of course, that was given you know, 2019, wasn't it, with the Rise Inspection Framework, about making an ambitious curriculum that was unique and for your children. And I really felt that's what they were doing. Because um, they'd looked around, hadn't they, different examples of, uh, of maths curricula, and found and created one that fitted with what they thought were right for their children at this given moment in time. I thought that was very powerful.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I, that's something that I think is important in terms of making it work for their children and their setting. They know their context. They know what their children join them with. They know where they where they're wanting the children to move along to. And um, and they both said, didn't they? That they'd explored different schemes and different documents. They perhaps looked at some of those non-statutory tools as well, um, yeah. which are curriculum development tools, aren't they? Birth five and development matters are there to support the curriculum of development, um, the, the development of curriculum, um, but. They they hadn't lifted one single scheme. Actually, they had done lots of research and then used that knowledge to make an informed decision about what's going to work for their children. And I, I think that's really key um, because you can shape it to your children and yes, to what absolutely. you think they need.
1: It was very much that question: of what do we want our children to learn? And we hear that, mm-hmm. don't we? In lots of schools that we're visiting at the moment. That is like yes. the, the fundamental question: you know, what is it we really want our children to learn? But also alongside that, how do we want our children to learn this? What is going to be the most effective pedagogical kind of approach for our children? Uh, and how flexible they were in kind of thinking, well, actually we might need to do it this way for this group or this group for this group, or for this particular aspect of learning. Uh, and thinking about taking some of those strategies further through the school, you could hear that kind of excitement. Chris got very excited about the idea of using sort of things that team's provision further through the school and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you often see that in some schools, that, you know, really embracing those ideas. But most importantly, they see then the impact it has on those, on those children uh, in terms of outcomes as well.
0: Yeah, and I think it's because actually, what what some of the approaches that we're talking about is about how young children learn effectively, isn't it? And and you know, how do we make it as easy as possible for the young children to learn? And looking at it through the lens of the child and coming from them. And I think um, when when Jane was talking, it came through quite strongly that they didn't use the early learning goals for mathematics as a driver. Obviously, they absolutely are aware of those, but that wasn't their driver. And she talked really knowledgeably about understanding her continuous provision in their early years um indoors and out because i have to say sometimes schools and settings spend a lot of money developing their outdoor area and then it's never talked about but actually she talked about continuous provision as one of the one of the areas that kind of contributes to delivering that mathematics mathematics curriculum didn't she and she talked about um knowing what was what those opportunities were and where they were both indoors and out but she also talked about Enriching that curriculum, enriching that provision through. And again, I think sometimes the the people can get a little bit tangled between enriching and enhancing and provocations. But it felt to me, listening, that she was quite clear. Enriching their continuous provision was about building um, their mathematics curriculum, as that's what they were talking about through the year to ensure that progression and stretch and challenge. So putting new things into the provision that would then stay for the rest of the year for mathematics, so the children could really embed that knowledge and that thinking.
1: Absolutely. she you talk, yeah, that progression in learning, progression in resources was something we kind of picked up yes. on, wasn't it? And, and I think it ties in very well with lots of the work we do with schools where they're looking at, at kind of, they might have developed an amazing provision and they might have developed yes. some incredible curriculum sort of documents, but the two are very separate. There isn't a bridge linking these mm-hmm. two things. Uh, and the missed opportunities to align the two aspects together, that's when it powerfully works and has an amazing impact on on learning. Uh, But also that understanding of the adults within that environment of, ah, that's why we have those things, because it ties in with our curriculum and what it is we're hoping our children will learn, to also extend their mathematical opportunities as well. And, And you could hear that coming through in terms of thinking about further through the school as well, about having availability of resources for children, to revisit learning, to embed that learning rather than, or oh, you're there the day when we do weighing or something, for example, and then we put all mm-hmm. the scales away. You can see that, that there's a real shift in thinking there uh, for the older children. And,
0: and I think Chris Chris kind of alluded to that several times in terms of his learning. He had that real realisation, didn't he, in terms of, Um, actually, if there was some continuity in some of the pedagogical approaches and some of that resourcing and knowing where those children had come from, actually, um, they could make it so so that actually some of that learning into Key Stage 1 and beyond didn't feel like new learning. Actually, the children from reception could hook into, ah, we, we've explored this already. Um, so we've got something to build on rather than because it's being presented in a very different way. You run that risk sometimes of it feeling like brand new learning for the children when it when it isn't. I think Chris really picked up on that need to connect it and almost make it overtly obvious for the children of, this is what you've done, this is how you've done it, and we're having these opportunities to build on it and use that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's that kind of layering up of learning, uh, but that really yeah, good foundation, it being you know, built on a, a spiral kind of approach, I suppose. And I think what came through also strongly was constant conversations across the school about mathematics, yeah. about other areas of subjects. And it's often a challenge, isn't it? Because uh, I've certainly been the earliest teacher who's gone along to a meeting and thought, oh, it's got nothing to do with me, what they're talking about. But they've obviously really carefully thought about how inclusive all of their CPT is mm-hmm. and their team meetings, staff meetings. So it is, you know, I'm, I'm using this river analogy a lot at the moment, the idea, you know, children are all on one river through that school and it feels like one. Uh, and the only way that we can ensure that is having conversations all the way through so that no one is excluded. And also when we think about our youngest children going from reception to year one, some of them are incredibly young. I often think like a year mm. one teacher, you know, it's the most challenging role in the school quite frequently because you've got to have a really good understanding of child development, you've got to have a good understanding of curriculum, yeah. you've got to understand where the UIFS came from and all those kind of things. And it's very difficult. But I think the work that they're doing is smoothing those things off. Um there's um, mm-hmm. another one on the podcast Andy did with uh James Hitchens from Penryn Primary School in Varmouth, and he talked about the cliff edge, the cliff face as you move into year one. And this piece of work that they're doing, uh, Jane and Chris have been doing, that's smoothing down those cliff faces. It's making it one, which has to make it easier for all involved as part of that process.
0: Yeah. And I think you could, there was almost a palpable excitement, I think in terms of, Chris being able to see the difference and that the developments that they've made together was having. So it isn't just about early years doing their thing and actually beyond getting on board with that. Actually, they'd worked together on action plans. They'd worked together on a strategy and they'd kind of thought that through of how it was going to develop. And you could feel that, as I say, that powerful enthusiasm of what, you know, Chris has got really high expectations. You can feel okay. in terms of what's going to come through in terms of the children as mathematicians, not just necessarily knowing number of facts, but actually children as mathematicians and some of those characteristics and that enthusiasm and that confidence, um, as well as being able to apply their skills and knowledge because they the strategy that they've put together, the conversations that they've had is really supporting that deep understanding of maths, isn't it?
1: yeah absolutely it's that as you say it's that becoming a mathematician isn't it and there are a number of schools that Mm. that we work with who use that kind of approach and that becoming a historian becoming a geographer becoming an artist yes and it's what is it we need to do to help them become those things rather than Mm. kind of isolating the subjects um and i know they're kind of looking at that more holistically as well and that kind of thinking about well if i'm thinking about maths but i need to be thinking about physical development for example because of the manipulatives that children are using in mathematics are often rather small so if you're struggling with fine motor skills, it can be more challenging. We know, that math is incredibly rich in terms of vocabulary, but it is like a new language for some children. And we think about how difficult that might be for some children to access their the curricula. And I think that I know that's a piece of work they're doing is thinking about things much more holistically in terms of, OK, mm. that child might be finding difficulty in language, for example, that therefore is impacting on our mathematics. How can we support them in a way that, again, is developmentally appropriate for those children? So, uh, yeah, lots of work there.
0: And that, and again, it's it's all very complicated and complex, isn't it? Because at one point you're talking about kind of maths everywhere within the provision, which is often, you know, we've talked about as a holistic picture, and it absolutely is. But then layering on top of that is that holistic picture. Even with the characteristics, actually, children need to be able to problem solve. If if they make a mistake, they've got to have that perseverance or that confidence to continue and actually to explore and learn from their mistakes and where things might have gone wrong. Um, They need to have that language and communication, not just for the vocabulary, but actually if they can begin to articulate their thinking, uh, that really helps it move forward, particularly in maths, but not just for mathematics. And and again, it feels like they've recognised that and that's where they're going on that journey. So it feels like not only is it a connected, a more connected curriculum, as you say, they're softening the edges, but it also feels like there's a, a more cohesive feel of what a young mathematician looks like in their school and that bigger picture of what they're trying to work towards to achieve for that so it's not just curriculum content and sequence of that curriculum actually it's a really big good understanding of their vision for a, a mathematician oh
1: absolutely and i'm so glad you talked about the characteristics there i mean uh, everybody will know i just shout about them all the time and
0: yes maybe i
1: refreshing we looking but i worry they're too quiet <laughs> the
2: moment.
1: and i think still i'm very, very disappointed that the maths aspect in the education program doesn't begin with develop a love of maths, like the literacy one, rather than thinking I about musicians Right at the end, yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's a different kind of topic. Yeah, I suppose we another podcast. But I think, yeah, they talk about that problem solving. They talk about those kind of dispositions and attitudes towards mathematics, which you know, are key, and and they are something that people struggle with certainly later on through school experiences and. Mm-hmm. I often think, you know, we need to ask why. Why is that happening? And I'll pick that a bit more, I guess. But um, yeah, keep shouting about anyone who's listening. Keep shouting about those characteristics because um, if we don't, they'll, be, they'll become something quite beige and lost, I think, if we're not careful. Um, and they are also such a powerful thread that can be taken beyond the early years as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of this curriculum journey that Chris and, and Jane have been on, I think, um, again, listening to it um, and thinking about the work that I do in schools, it, it feels like they've, they've kind of found a model that has worked for mathematics um, and it feels like that that model of uh, the early years team working with the subject lead, having those very open conversations, um, the early years team kind of feeding in, this is what we do and this is how we do it and this is where you might see the subject happening, with the subject leader kind of imparting the but where's the knowledge and where's the skills and bringing that together and doing that tour together, having those professional conversations together and almost passing the baton. I feel sure that Chris could probably talk about early years now because Jane has done lots of that with him. It feels like... That as a model and doing that strategic thinking together, doing that action planning together is a model that actually they'll be able to use with other subject leaders if that makes sense. So yeah. it becomes less yeah. about just mathematics and connecting the curriculum, but more of a school improvement model, doesn't it? I think.
1: Yeah, and that's very much what they were they were t- starting to talk about, and mm-hmm. I think it's using that that very honest approach at the beginning, and you know, mm-hmm. laying everything on the table and saying where are we really at. Um, and that strategy, I think, is one they're committed to doing to the other subject areas as well, um, which is really exciting to see what happens next.
0: Yeah, absolutely is. It absolutely is. Well, thank you so much for obviously taking the time to share and have that have that conversation with Jane and Chris, and then taking the time to then share that with me, because I think it's really insightful and um, good to hear people who are actually in school walking the walk, talking the talk facing those, you know, tough challenges that, that are thrown at teachers every day in school. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of things that come up and, you know, we know it takes time and we know it's not a one size fits all. But I, I think hopefully kind of listeners will have been able to take some important things from their experiences, but also some of the kind of reflections that we've had around the curriculum development as well. I think it's been a, a really useful listen.
1: Yeah. And I think what I also hope people get from it is both enjoyed the process There was a real sense of joy that came through it. And yes, it it was hard work and challenging and so on. But actually, they've both gained a lot from it as well. They felt it was personally worthwhile, as well as, of course, for the children. But fundamentally, that's why they were doing it. But also personally, they felt they've benefited from it as well. I think from my own experiences, that's what I've seen in the schools who've embarked on these pieces of work. It's very difficult, we know, in some of the smaller schools where you may be wearing lots of hats as a subject leader, and that's something we're going to explore a bit more, hopefully, in some of the other podcasts. But it's, I think everyone I've spoken to who started doing it and really started right at the beginning, you know, not trying to go in midway, they've started right at the beginning, mm-hmm. being really honest. They've really got a lot personally from the process as well.
0: Yeah, And I think it's, it, of course, it does take time. It does take a lot of brain power, but actually taking your time on working through it and doing it well reaps so many rewards, doesn't it? And as you say, not just for the children, but for professional development, for that that teamwork, for that striving forward and such like. Um, and it's almost about pacing yourself and, and trying to be gentle with yourself and seeing why you're doing it and going back to the why you're doing it is for your children and their journey, not for other pressures. And I know... Obviously, there are those other pressures, and that often sits front and center in people's minds, um, which can push the we need to get this done. But actually, it's about doing it well, doing it with understanding, and really thinking about it from their child's point of view and their journey, all the way back to what we were talking about at the start of the session.
1: That's good. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh,
0: well, I know that you've uh, you've got some more um, colleagues lined up, schools and colleagues lined up to have curriculum conversations with. Probably, um, maybe not maths next time. I know there'll be other things to look at. So um, we'll be sharing some of those later on in the year through our head-to-heads. But it's been great to have you here today. Thanks very much for for sharing and, and talking. It's been a real pleasure and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you again soon.
1: Thank you ever so much and uh, look forward to the same. Speak to you soon.
0: Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. well, thanks for joining us today. I hope you found it a valuable listen and that you've taken some things away to reflect on, or maybe things that you want to discuss with your colleagues. Of course, remember, if you want to talk about any of the issues that we've explored today, or you need support with other matters in your school, then do feel free to drop me an email, sarah at earlyexcellence.com, or why not get connected with me on LinkedIn or Twitter? Anyway, take care and join me next time for some more genuine head-to-head conversation.